Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Regulatory Radio. Today we'll be taking a look at the different facilitated and expedited regulatory pathways for medicinal products that are available from regulators around the world. I'm Mick Lamble, Head of Regulatory Affairs at Freya, and today we're joined by Gabriel Boronet, Senior Director of Regulatory Information Management Strategy here at Freya. Welcome back, Gabriel. How are you? Hello, Mick. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Well, in this episode, we're looking beyond the European regulatory network and taking a more global look. And specifically, we'll be talking about the cutting edge in product development and in obtaining marketing authorizations provided by facilitated regulatory pathways. It's a super interesting topic, Nick. The major regulatory networks around the world now offer expedited routes through their assessments and review procedures. And a common objective is to help speed up the time for new drugs to become available to patients. So, Gabriel, just how global is global in this context? Which regulatory authorities offer these sorts of pathways? Facilitated and expedited regulatory pathways, easily abbreviated collectively to FRPs, are available in Japan, Europe, USA, China, Brazil, Korea, UK, Switzerland, Canada, Australia, and more FRPs are being created all the time. That certainly is a wide scope. Are all FRPs the same? No, they, they vary according to the strategic objectives of different countries and their regulators. For example, the Innovative Licensing and Access Pathway, known as ILAP in the UK, which is designed to promote innovation and whole health system access. Or there's the Prime Scheme in Europe, which is very much about innovation for unmet patient needs. We should explore these during the rest of the episode. And what are some of the main FRPs offered by regulators and healthcare systems? So let's start with the FDA, which covers the USA. They offer four FRPs. There's a fast track, there's a breakthrough therapy, um, there's priority review, and there's accelerated approval. The European Union's European Medicines Agency, the EMA, has its prime pathway that targets unmet medical needs and products that provide therapeutic advantage over existing treatments. The Japanese PMDA operates the Sakigaki pathway to improve access to new medicinal products and provides a designation for novel advanced treatments. From the UK, there's the Innovative Licensing and Access Pathway, ILAP. Health Canada has two expedited pathways, um, the Priority Review and the Notice of Compliance with Conditions. Features include review timelines and conditional approvals in return for additional post-monitoring. And Australia's TGA offers two facilitated pathways, Priority Review and Provisional Approval with the objectives, again, of fast-tracking prescription medicines to market. So what are the main drivers for FRPs? I mean, why are they offered and what benefits do they bring? This would require quite a long answer, so I'm going to break it down into chunks. In my opinion, there are four main drivers for health technology assessors and regulators to establish FRPs. One, it's to help address unmet medical needs. Two, help to bring medicines and treatments to patients more quickly. Three, it's to encourage scientific and regulatory and clinical innovation. And four, it's to widen access to market approvals. So let me ask you about each of these drivers in turn, starting with how unmedical needs are addressed. Sure. By providing targeted additional support during product development, a regulatory body can encourage development of medicinal products that might otherwise not progress through study phases or lead to submission of an application. Incentives can include specialised scientific advice and early engagement on commercial issues. This brings the potential benefit of improved outcomes for patients with indications that perhaps were not previously being addressed. And what about speedier access for patients? 
Reducing the time to market and therefore making medicines available to patients more quickly brings healthcare benefits in terms of earlier treatment for more patients. Benefits include potentially improved quality of life for patients and reduced costs from shortening the product development life cycle. And encouraging innovation? FRPs help to support an environment that promotes and rewards efforts towards research and innovation. This has the potential to improve clinical outcomes, patient benefits, and provides economic benefits that spring from increased investment in R&D. And innovation can be nurtured and grown from smaller, research-led biotech firms, as well as being supported by large established pharma companies. And what about better market access? So, providing early engagement through clear eligibility criteria, accessible routes and product designations helps to encourage development and authorization applications within the jurisdiction of a specific health authority and healthcare systems. And such an approach can also accelerate the availability of robust data to support authorization applications and technology assessments. Thanks very much. So, what would you say are some of the general characteristics of different FRPs? Different FRPs are offered by different regulatory agencies and healthcare systems, but many pathways share common characteristics. For example, there is usually an emphasis on early engagement during the product development life cycle. This can take the form of enhanced scientific advice and regulatory engagement and opportunities for early discussions between developers, regulators and technology assessors. FRPs can also offer routes for accelerated approvals, leading to marketing authorization applications, input to regulatory strategies, and guidance on development programs. It can include ongoing benefit risk assessments, fee incentives, um, flexible review processes, such as rolling reviews, and early approvals based on surrogate endpoints. Can we now talk a little about the eligibility criteria for FRPs? Criteria vary between different pathways and different regulatory networks. We'll include some links to relevant guidance in the podcast episode notes. You can expect to see an emphasis on prioritising access for products that provide major therapeutic advantages over existing treatments, or those which address unmet patient needs or urgent public health needs, novel new drugs, and innovative medicines that employ advanced therapies. Commonly, there is a requirement to demonstrate some promising early data to support the case for eligibility. And there may also be a requirement for a first approval application to be submitted to the FRP providing regulatory agency. This is a very current topic given the recent pandemic. Are there expedited schemes for such public health priorities? Yes, there are. An emergency use authorisation, or EUA, can be granted by health authorities in response to public health emergencies, but only when very specific criteria are met. The Ebola virus outbreak in West Africa in 2014 or the COVID-19 pandemic declared in 2020 are obvious examples of such health emergencies. In these cases, health authorities took decisions to grant emergency approval for unlicensed medicinal products, but strict qualifying criteria and controls were still enforced. For example, the UK granted an emergency use authorization for the BioNTech Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. This authorization was limited only to specific batches of the vaccine for an initial period of 12 months and was backed up with significant support for safety and surveillance. Well, it's good to know that such essential routes to authorization are available. What are seen as some of the other strengths of FRPs? Well, definitely the opportunity for reduced time to approval. In a 2020 study from the Centre for Innovation in Regulatory Science, the FDA was the agency with the shortest median approval time at 243 days attributed to the extensive use of FRPs 
and especially those addressing unmet medical needs. And what do you think are some of the areas that could be improved? I think there are definitely opportunities for more collaboration between health authorities to align the requirements and criteria for FRPs and perhaps work on sharing best practice towards global harmonisation. This could also encourage more regulatory reliance and recognition around the world of market access and approval decisions that have been made by trusted regulatory authorities. And do you think that demand for FRPs is increasing and just how popular are they? The trend definitely seems to be increasing. For example, pre-pandemic reports from Australia suggest that approximately 15% of applications are now following their priority review pathway. And in Europe, the prime pathway from the EMA launched in 2016 and had accepted approximately 100 applications by the end of 2021. The relatively new ILAP route launched in the UK by the MHRA and its healthcare system partners quickly reached over 70 applications within its first year of operation. There is certainly demand from industry for FRPs. Well, thanks, Gabriel. That's all we have time for in this episode. And also thanks for a very interesting discussion. I've learned a lot about FRPs. My pleasure. I hope this has been both informative and enjoyable. It certainly has. And after today's session highlighting key points on the role of the EMRN in achieving regulatory approvals, stay tuned for another episode of Regulatory Radio for more discussions on regulatory topics. Thanks for listening and see you next time.